Hello and welcome to Right Hearted with me, Stuart Wakefield. I am intrigued to have S.L. Forrester with me. Uh, Sylvia is a writer. Um, she writes in a number of genres, but the one that particularly interested me uh, was uh, Twitter fiction. So, um, Sylvia, hi. Thank you for coming on the show. Hi. Um, so can you tell me in 280 characters or less um, how you started writing? Um, I'm not going to count my characters as I talk, but uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've loved to read since I was a kid. And probably when I first really became serious as a writer was in middle school. And I'd have lots of ideas for, you know, at that time, I guess you'd call them middle grade stories, you know, I'd try to emulate a lot of the writers that I was reading at that time. And then I quickly branched out into, you know, the Lord of the Rings and Les Miserables and, you know, a lot of heftier stuff. But uh, um, I wrote a few short stories in high school, tried um, a little bit of playwriting. Um, I've always had a lot of ideas, um, but it took me a long time to get around to um, accepting that writing was what I really wanted to do. Um, in college, I had this, I had this mentality that I couldn't make a career of anything that I loved to do because I was worried that okay. once something became a job that I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. I don't know that it, it was kind yeah. of a, you know, a strange time. <laughs> and then I got married <laughs> and I had my children and writing just kind of went to the side for a long time. I still did a lot mm -hmm. of reading and I do think that, okay. that reading helps even if you're not actively writing, but it wasn't until about three or four years ago, um, it actually came about as a result of a, a social media fest. I told myself, because okay. I noticed that I was spending a lot of time on discussion forums and Facebook and things. And I told myself it was over the summer. I'm not going to do any of that for a month. Okay, Good But time. that was when these ideas really started percolating more in my head. They kind of rose to the surface where they'd been kind of suppressed before. And I started writing right. my first you know, attempt at a novel. And I probably got about 50 pages in on a Google document. I know okay. I didn't count the words, you know, but it felt really good to be doing that. And, uh, um, and then I started a new job. It all kind of went to the wayside again, you know, but then in near the end of October, 2018, I learned about NaNoWriMo and kind of on a whim, I decided like just a couple of days before it started that I was going to do this. Yeah. And I had, I had had a dream recently and I won't go into the details on that, but that became my inspiration for this novel that I decided I was going to write in the month of November. And okay. um, I pantsed it all and it was a mess. You know, and no one <laughs> will ever are. read it, but I got okay. to the end, you know, it was my first time ever writing a novel draft from beginning to end. And it was right around 50,000 words. I really struggled. Actually, I think it was under 50,000 words. I had to get the rest of my word count. I had to start my rewrite, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I've always been kind of a, a brevity writer. Um you know, okay. write what needs to be written, you know, um, in high school, I'd write essays that were like two or three pages long. And my friends had essays that were like five, six pages long. And I always wondered like, how are they writing so much? You know, cause my yeah. essays were so short and they must've ticked all the boxes. Okay. Cause I always got, you know, good scores. But, uh, anyway, I wrote that first draft and that's what really, really got me excited about writing and got me into the habit of writing every day. And I haven't stopped mm -hmm. since, you know, I've been writing something every day, even if it's just my Twitter fiction, you know, I always write something every day and that's been going on for a couple of years that's now. Nice. And 
yeah. it feels good. That, that's amazing. And, and it's interesting to to know that kind of NaNoWriMo was your your kind of tipping point. In, yeah. And you're not the first person I've, I've spoken to that, that that has done that. So how did you kind of migrate from novel, you know, trying the novel to getting to the, the Twitter fiction? Um, I was on um, a Facebook group for writers and somebody um, in, brought up this write Tober um, challenge. Okay. And it, it's kind of based on if you've heard of Inktober where everyone, yes. you know, you, you, the idea is you draw a picture every day in the month of October. Um, a couple of people, yeah. I know there's at least two different lists, but um, I discovered this write Tober challenge and I just, kind of decided I was going to go for it, you know, and the challenge is you're, you're given a word each day and the challenge is to write a story based on that word in 50 words or less. And so, Uh, yeah, I wrote the first couple of stories just, you know, on my own for fun. And then I thought, you know, I bet I could post these on Twitter. And I started my Twitter account specifically for sharing these stories with the intention of continuing it past October. I thought I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a story every day on Twitter for however long, you know, I managed to, to do it. And that was last October and I've been doing it well until now. And, you know, and I'll say I haven't completely met the everyday part of it you know there have been some days I've missed because of one reason or another but I counted um just the other day because I was curious like how many stories have I actually written and I went back through my profile and you know painstakingly counted every story and I had to I had to sift out the other posts that I'd made that weren't actually stories you know um but it was around 220 stories um that I've written since I began my Twitter account and, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it can be hard. Um, writing microfiction. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not always easy. It was easy at first. Like I was just having a blast with it, you know, and like the ideas were coming and like, you know, I just felt really inspired. But after writing that many stories, I'm like, I- I'm, some days I feel like I'm kind of losing inspiration. You know, I have to really think okay. about it. Um, but I don't see myself quitting anytime soon. You know, I'm going to keep plugging through and hopefully some good stories come out of that. Even if a few of them aren't so great, you know, I figure, you know, it's a, it's a quantity over quality well, thing, mean, but. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been reading, you know, through some, some of your, your Twitter collections on your site and um you know i mean there's some great ones that are you know they're really funny there's one about the dog that becomes a president there's one about um you know somebody who's a thrill seeker and the way they do that is um they sit under a tree without without their epiped uh i kind of challenge the bees um but there is a beautiful one that i found very emotional about somebody walking around um, a graveyard looking at old gravestones and wondering if somebody was looking at their family's gravestones because they were they were far away, um, and it's interesting to see in your writing, you know, you're getting through the whole the whole spectrum. But okay, so if you start writing novels and then you start doing sort of Twitter fiction. I was talking to Grant Falconer a couple of episodes ago, and he was um, started a project where you write a story in one hundred words, and I tried. And I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a great writer by any stretch of the imagination, but I tried and it is a completely different animal. If you compare Twitter fiction to say your first novel, what kind of disciplines or how differently do you come at that way of writing? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pantser by nature, you know, whatever I'm writing. Okay. And so I think that does lend well to shorter fiction because I mean, I can't imagine like, creating an outline for a microfiction, like there just wouldn't be a point, you know, but um, I usually I'll I'll start with some kind of inspiration. Sometimes it's a, what if sometimes it's a a prompt word, 
you know, I'll go to a random word generator if I'm really struggling and, you know, pick a word and see what I can come up with, you know, but oftentimes I'll just start writing. And most of my stories, the first time I write them, they're like many characters too long, you know, but I don't worry about that the first time I just write it. And then afterwards I have to go through. And the thing about microfiction is you have to be really selective about which words you keep and choosing the best words to convey what you're trying to say. Um, the other thing is I rely a lot on context, on um, implied context, which sometimes can go yeah. wrong. Um, it's, it's not always easy um, as a reader. I mean, readers can't read your mind. You know, so sometimes I think I've got the context um, right, you know, like easy to figure out. Um, yeah. But that's not necessarily the case, you know, because my experience isn't somebody else's experience and my pool of mm -hmm. general knowledge isn't the same as someone else's. But um, yeah. every story has a beginning, a middle and an end, just like yeah. just like a novel. It's just it's very condensed. And oftentimes like I said, the beginning is, is more implied than explicit and the end it can even be more implied. Um, but what we're really focusing on is the meat in the middle. And I love middles of stories. I will tell you the few, the okay. few novel drafts I've written. Um, I know a lot of people say they struggle with the middle part, but that's like my bread and butter. That's what I, that's the part I love to write. Um, but uh why why it's i mean for all those people out there who were struggling with their middles the muddy middle <laughs> what, what is it about the middle that kind of you know floats your boat and what do you think or what advice would you give for somebody who's struggling with the middle um well i just think it's fun you know i have fun okay. with it I, again like i said i'm a pantser and like that's where i get to play and, uh, okay. and it's the same thing with, with the microfiction, you know, I just, it, it's, it's all play, you know, like I said, I'll ask a question I'll like, you know, like, what if a dog became president? What would that look like? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> they want steak for dinner every night, you know, or, you know, something yeah. Yeah. silly like that. But, um, you know, um, microfiction is fun because you get to explore, um, a lot of I different ideas, you know, with a novel, you're, you're kind of limiting yourself to one kind of idea. And yeah, you can have little, mm -hmm. you know, side plots and things, but the microfiction has just been a lot of fun and it's allowed me to, yeah, like I said, explore a lot of different ideas in, you know, little bite-sized pieces. And it feels really good. Um, after each story I write to be like, look, I wrote a story today. You know, like it, it's really a big boost. And then I can go in and work on my novel, you know, which is taking forever, but I don't feel as bogged down because I wrote a story today, you know? Yes. You know, that, that, that sense of achievement, like I've already finished something. It's those little wins, isn't it? Because a novel is, is, a huge it's a marathon um you know what oh, yeah i'm thinking about should i try yeah should i try some twitter should. <laughs> so i mean but that's that's only one of the things that you do okay yeah. so you are a woman after my own heart you sing you cook you avoid the housework um, these are all things that i could i can relate to um but you also mentioned you know you write short stories um You've been writing on writing novels. Um, you've written a screenplay, is that right? I, um, back in the spring, I wrote a musical script that I'm still nice. kind of workshopping. Um, okay. This month, my goal has been to actually write the the music part of it, at least the melodies. Okay. I can't Very write talented. accompaniments. You know, I'm not that gifted with yeah. music, yeah. but <laughs> if I have some melodies that I can hopefully find somebody able to, you know, work out accompaniments and orchestrations and things. But it, I just, it's a little one act musical that would be suitable for like 
a, a high school to perform perhaps, you know, and that's been okay. a lot of fun. Um, so, I mean, it seems like your writing is very playful. You, you come at it from a, a joyous kind of, kind of place. Um, and, and you say, obviously, you know, you, you, some of the short stories help you not get too bogged down in your, in your noveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what I'm thinking is what, how do you try and like shift your mindset from, okay, this is Twitter. This is a musical. This is a novel. Do you come at them differently? Um, maybe I, I don't know. I, I have to say it's not really that hard for me. I, I don't know how I, I do it. Um, even my novels though, I'll say they're often more, I mean, there are, there is an overarching plot, but I tend to write more in, in scenes and, um, I'm really just a short story writer at heart, I think in a lot of ways, (laughs) um, you know, not novel, I'm right. I'm working on a, you know, a fantasy trilogy right now mm-hmm. and it it's a beast. And I'm like, <laughs> when am I ever going to, you know, finish this and have it ready for submission? And I told myself I have to write the entire trilogy before I start submitting okay. the first book, because as yes. a discovery writer, as a pantser, I was worried about writing myself into a corner you know, where like, you know, if I, if I got the first book published, then that would limit what I could write for my next two books. And I thought, I, I don't know how this is going to end. I have to, I have to get to the ending before, you know, and then I have to, then I'll have to go back and fix the beginning and, you know, the middle. So everything matches up. I'm currently drafting my third, um, the third book. So I'm, I, I could get there by the end of the year, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, microphone. So you aren't doing some planning. Some, I have some idea of where I'm, where I want to take things, but it's very character driven, and sometimes my characters will do surprising things, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I I discover the story as I go along. Really, I I'm. And I do have, usually I sit down, like when I've tried to outline my stories, I'll outline each chapter kind of like, I want this and this chapter, this and this chapter, this and this chapter, and, you know, get, I'll get to the end and then I'll sit down and start the first chapter and almost right away, it all gets derailed, you know? And so I'm like, well, there's no point in outlining. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, I think over planning can actually suck, suck the life out of it especially if you're trying to get it into a three or a five act structure yeah. or get it into a model like the hero's journey. Um, yeah. I, 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 I mean, what I do with my, my coaches is I, I get them to just hit, you know, the big scenes. So if they're writing a romance, as long as they get that kind of backbone in of those big scenes that the readers are expecting and they make sense, they have like cause and effect. Everything else is, is like, well, I guess playtime, mm-hmm. really. You know, the subplots and all the other characters and all of that that thing. As long as you have those big, big points in there. Um, I was talking, um, I think it was an early episode, I was talking to a short story writer, uh, Gwen, Gwen Tolios. And she said that when she writes a short story, she just, she just starts and just kind of plays with it and, and see where it goes. For you... Um, when you write your your trilogy, did you are you finding you're having to go back and rework a lot of things? I will. I will have to go back and rework um, a lot of things. Um, not so much in my first book, I don't think, but I know um, because I I drafted that and then I did a rewrite because the first draft I was only planning on one a, a one off story, but then. Right. I, as I was thinking about it, thinking about the world, thinking about the characters, there's a lot more potential here. And so I went back and rewrote it with the intention of expanding it into a trilogy. And so I introduced some additional elements that weren't in the first draft so that then I could expand it. 
And then I drafted the second and I haven't gone back and rewritten that one yet. Now I'm drafting my third. And like I said, um, I don't want to go back and rework the other two until I finished the third, because once I have it all laid out, then I can go back and worry about my structure and my foreshadowing and, and all of that stuff that will that will make it into a cohesive trilogy um so like i just um i just introduced a new concept with a character who was in my first book and now she's showing up again in my third book and i have an opportunity to go back and foreshadow some things that that she's involved with now in my first book, whereas if I had already published the first book, either as with a publisher or self-publishing, I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, add that, that foreshadowing. So, I mean, this is kind of off the subject of microfiction, but my advice to discovery writers, if that's really your style is, you know, you know, don't, I I call it the Veronica Roth syndrome. (laughs) I'm sorry, but okay. you know, um, there there's a trilogy oh, called oh, Veronica Roth. Sorry, Ver, uh, Divergence. Is it Divergence? Yes. Yeah, she wrote the first book. Yeah. I I heard um a, a friend of mine who has, um, was telling me I I guess she did this interview or something, and you know don't I don't have any sources for any of this, but she's like she had ten years to write her first book before she submitted it to publishers, and then they wanted more. And she had to write the next two books in the matter of two or three years. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I didn't want that to happen in my case. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to take five years to write my first novel and then have to hurry up and, you know, write more books. And, you know, so I thought I'm, I'm going to do this right. You know, I'm going to write all three yeah. of them together. And, and then I'll start <laughs> querying the first book, you yeah. know. Once I know where everything's going. I'm, I'm, okay, because I'm 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 laughing and I'm kind of crying inside. <laughs> let let me let me tell you a story. Okay. So, my first book I wrote in NaNoWriMo, okay, and then I took seven months to edit it, and it was a standalone romance set in the um, the Orkney Islands, sort of north of Scotland, and it had all kind of Scottish folklore woven into it. Okay. Um, it got long listed for an award. It sold thousands and thousands of copies, right? So I was I was done. Okay. And I was moving on to my what I was going to write next. So I um because it was doing well, uh BBC radio asked to interview me, and I was driving um I actually pulled up in a car park and did the did the interview over my phone. Anyway, um, as I was driving, uh, I was thinking about the characters, you know, wh- where things could go. So by the time I pulled up and have this con- have the- had this conversation, they said to me, and what are you writing next? And without thinking, I just said, the sequel. <laughs> right? So a year, two years later, the sequel comes out. And by that point, I thought, okay, well, you know, this, this will be a trilogy because nobody just writes two books. So the second book ends on this huge cliffhanger, right? I mean, and that was nine years ago, and I still have no idea what to put in the third book. So to anyone who's listening, who's thinking about doing a trilogy, either do what Sylvia's doing and writing all of them before the first one goes out, or at least have some kind of game plan, because I have now got to the point where I am rewriting the first book a because you know with the benefit of hindsight i realized it's not not a very well written book but um yeah as you say to to foreshadow and make sure you're starting in the right place i mean it's just it's just a nightmare so i i'm so pleased that you're doing what you're doing please don't make the same mistake i did it's it's horrific all right so yeah, and I and I, 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 it's like an albatross. I've I've probably written eight or nine other novels, 
and I won't publish them because I feel I owe it to people to write this third book first. (laughs) Everything else is just an excuse. Okay, so, okay, that's really interesting. And I think that's a life lesson for us all. Um, So tell me more about the musical because, I mean, obviously, you know, you sing. Yeah. So... How how did that come about? Was that an extension of your playfulness or, or how did that, that come? Well, it started out as one song. And mm-hmm. then I kind of based the rest of it around that song. And the song was about this girl who had come across this magic notebook and anything she wrote okay. in it would come true. And she doesn't realize that this is happening at first. And so, you know, she starts out, you know, like, like she's mad at this girl for, you know, teasing her. And so she, you know, writes like, so, you know, so-and-so is going to get the chicken pox and her boyfriend's going to break up with her, you know, or, you know, you know, little, you know, vengeful thoughts like that. And then, um, but then she also writes things to try and help other people, you know, but in the process uh, of all of this, she ends up writing this, creating this like girlfriend for the boy she has a crush on because she's really shy and like, doesn't want to put herself out there, you know? And uh, (laughs) so that was, that was what this song was about was her looking back on like, you know, everything that had happened because of this notebook. And now she's wondering, like, where do I go from here? You know, like, can I write myself into this story now? You know, and it just kind of expanded from there. And um, I wrote, I wrote the whole script in just a matter of weeks. Um, Okay. I I don't know. I just felt really inspired, (laughs) you know, once in a while, you know, have (laughs) these big inspirations and it just, flows out you know um I've sent it to a couple of beta readers they haven't got back to me yet but um uh I just I've always loved musical theater I've always loved the theater you know like I said I I dabbled in a bit of playwriting um as a teenager you know it's always something I I enjoyed listening to your podcast on um on playwriting I don't remember who who the writer oh, was. with uh, Anita Kalakel. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed that. And when you and her talked about um, the the difference between live acting versus watching something on a screen, like that really resonated with me. And yeah. I totally get that. Like there, there's yeah. definitely a different dynamic when you're so close to the actors, you know, even if you're sitting up in the mezzanine, you know, you're still, I mean, you're in the same room with these actors and actresses and uh, it can be a very powerful experience. Um, Yeah. You know, I rarely. There is this kind of. Yeah. Yeah. There's this kind of mercurial energy in the room. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I I mentioned I was watching Festin and wanted to get up out of my seat when this guy was being attacked. And I also remember um, there's a play called um, Beautiful Thing. It got made into a film. It's about um, two boys who live in a council estate. I guess in the in the US you'd call that the projects. Uh, so two young teenage boys um, and they fall in love. And during the play, one of them, the stage play, yeah, one of them hits their head and they start to bleed. And I was in the front row <laughs> and I wanted to kind of reach out and you know, like help, help this actor because his blood was, well, fake blood was trickling off the edge of the stage. And, you know, on another night, his blood might not have trickled over the edge of the stage, but, and also you get that amazing energy from the audience. So a Friday night audience is very different to a Saturday audience. I mean, obviously you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll know this Friday night audiences is being the end of a long week and they kind of sit there with their arms crossed saying okay like entertain me (laughs) a saturday night audience they've had a few drinks they haven't been at work that day they're often a lot more engaged so your experiences of of being in the theater 
I'm assuming they sort of came with you to writing your your musicals. Do you think your brevity helps you write, say, song lyrics, for example? Yes. Um, I think it does make things easier because I have an idea and I just want to convey mm. that one idea. Right. You know, um, uh, microfiction, it's the same thing. I've always thought of microfiction as kind of poetic in its own way. Not that it's mm. necessarily poetry, but it feels poetic in the way that it it's something so short and yet it can invoke a lot of emotion and a lot of um, uh, thoughtfulness from the reader. Mm. And poetry does that, that same sort of thing. And in music, you know, songs can do that same sort of thing. And I've never been much of a, a poet as far as like figurative language and, you know, all of this stuff. I'm much more down to earth, I think. Um, I love yes, alliteration, yes. but that's about as far as I go, you know, but, um, <laughs> but microfiction is, it, it, it's like poetry and prose form. And then lyrics, you've got that added layer of rhyming. Yeah. I mean, you, re you like to challenge yourself. Don't I you? do. I do like to challenge myself. <laughs> um, I'll say, um, my lyrics often tend to be kind of short too, though. Like I've, I've, um, okay. I've timed a few of these songs that I, that I wrote like for this musical, for instance, and they may only be like one or two minutes long. I'm like, man, I've got to make these longer, okay. you know? And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, part of me is like, well, if the message is there, isn't that really what matters? You know? Yes. Absolutely. Um, so I go back and forth. I'm like, should I try to make this song longer or should I keep it as it is? And I do have some longer songs yeah. too, but that is the other thing I did in high school. I did write several songs and I was very shy at the time. So I would like never perform them for anybody until um, one time I did perform this song that I wrote at a music camp I was attending and I just sang it acapella. Okay. Like I said, I, 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 I can't write accompaniments for any of my stuff. You know, that's kind of where I'm limited. I can't, like, I know there's, there's artists out there who will write their own songs and perform them on YouTube and stuff. I'm like, I'm, I'm not there, you know, but um, <laughs> I sang this song um, at, at, at camp. We had like this talent night and afterwards a couple of different people came up to me like, wow, you know, that song was so powerful, you know, and, and like, who wrote that? And I'm like, actually, I did, you know, <laughs> and I was kind of embarrassed, like yeah. I did, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it felt good to know that I could reach out to people like that, that I could touch people like that. Mm. And um, I hope that comes across like, like I've said many times um, in all of my writing, I want the overarching message to be love and humanity and um i can write very hopeful things i can also write some pretty dark things um my husband says i'm really dark when i write and i'm like i don't i don't see that you know like cuz i'm yeah there's dark things happening in my stories but i always see the love i always see the hope and, and, yeah. you know, I try to bring a lot of um, a whimsy into my stories and a, just a lot of heart. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, even in the most, I, I think that's why I like, you know, there's been some series I've read, like um, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. I don't know if you're familiar with those books. Yes. They're pretty yeah. grim. Um, the yeah. things that happen to the, these, these siblings, you know, these orphans. And yet throughout that, that series, I just had this sense of, of hope and how amazing it was that no matter what happened to them, these siblings were in it together and they were there for each other, you know, and it's that kind of thing that, that I'm trying to create, you know, yeah, the world is grim. Yeah. Bad, terrible things happen, but we can, we can band together. We can be there for each other. And you know, it's all about love. And um, yeah, yeah. I hope that comes across in my writing because if it doesn't, then I feel like I've failed, you know? So yeah. Well, and there's certainly the love of stake <laughs> in your story about the president. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
sometimes they're just jokes, you know, but they don't, there's yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, deeper yeah. in them. But yeah. <laughs> so the the okay, so like okay, let's talk about you know the teenage playwright. Again. Okay. <laughs> so you know, most teens, you know, they're they're full of anguish and hormones and and wanting this, that, and the other, and pushing against their parents' influence and you know thinking they're right. How Interestingly, obviously, you were talking about the big themes in your writing were love. Tell me about the plays you wrote. What what were they, those kind of themes? Oh, you say plays as if I wrote more than one. Um... <laughs> oh, okay, right. Okay. No, I. <laughs> so it, it, was, it was. I had a lot of ideas, and I'd write a little bit here and there. But I say okay. I really struggled to finish yeah. anything. Um, and I think okay. that's part of the curse of the of being a discovery writer too. Is sometimes it's easy to start something. Right and then feel a little bogged yeah. down and not finish it. But um, one of the yeah. things that I did write, um, it was, it was very short. Like I said, I'm, I'm not, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm brief with my writing. <laughs> um, but it was about a young man returning from some war and maybe it was mm-hmm. world war two. Maybe it was Vietnam. I don't know. You know, I was, I was young. I didn't actually really know a whole lot about war. It was just, I I had this idea in my head and I wrote this little play. It was probably just, it was just two or three scenes. You know, I I never really got much more into expanding it beyond that, but I soon realized I don't really know that much about this topic. Like maybe this isn't really something I'm ready to pursue you know, so it just kind of got got put away, you know, but I did try to capture a lot of a lot of emotion in that. And, yeah. you know, I, it, it's funny because when I was a teenager, I thought I was really mature. You know, I was you know okay. wise for my years and well, and that sort of thing. And now as I've gotten older, it's one of those things where they say, you know, the more you the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know kind of thing. And (laughs) so, uh, but that was interesting. And, um, oh, another thing I did, actually, I did this as a young adult, not as a teenager, but I started writing another musical. um, And that one didn't get very far either. But... um, Is it because you love the middle? You don't want to get to the end. (laughs) I don't want to get to the end. Then it's over. (laughs) Then I can't play anymore. I'm having too much fun in the middle. (laughs) So, 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 yeah. If Sylvia now, so with everything you know, you were back to being teen Sylvia. What do you think your plays might your play might have been about? Well, if I had actually written something that I was familiar with, uh, it probably would have mm-hmm. been pretty boring because I didn't have a very okay. exciting life. <laughs> I don't like writing about myself. I part of I think part of the the appeal of writing for me is putting myself in someone else's shoes. Right. And um, I will say with this musical I'm I'm writing right now, like I I have put a part of myself into that character because I. I relate with her, with her, her shyness, her reluctance to show who she really is inside. Um, You ask the question, you know, what would I write if, you know, if I could go back and tell myself, you know, you should write this. That's probably what I'd say. Something, something like what I'm writing right now. Um, it, it is a, it is a musical about teenagers, you know, it's, it's, it's targeted to teens. Um, but I, I did go back and I kind of thought about like, how was I feeling as a, as a teen, you know, what was I going through? And a lot of the experiences and things that she's going through are not what I went through, you know, but I do have that basis of kind of her personality is a lot like mine. You know, she's a, she's an aspiring writer she's you know she has some struggles with like social anxiety and it's funny because I have like no social anxiety now but I did then okay. you know um and 
kind of her journey, uh, you know, from, you know, being that kind of that wallflower that, that, you know, trying to think of good metaphor. I don't know. I'm not good with metaphors, but, um, you know how it, by the end, you haven't got room for metaphors. Yeah, by by the end of the of the story, she's realized that no one else is going to write her life for her. You know, she has she has to write her own life. She has to write her own story, and um, and so it helps her to open up, be a little more you know, proactive about going for the things that she wants in life. And, uh, yeah. and that's kind of what happened. That was kind of my experience too. You know, I realized at some point, like, you know, I was too shy to sing in front of people. And I thought, I've got a good voice. I've got these songs that I want to mm -hmm. share. You know, I, no one else is going to put me out there. You know, I have to do that myself. And I did. And once I yeah. finally, did that like I never looked back and you know I love to perform now I love to share my music and and my passion but I had to get over that that hump you know and um yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be which, easy which for everybody but sorry yeah which which did you share first was it your your singing or your writing oh definitely my singing um I only shared my okay. writing with a handful of close friends um, I wrote a couple of short stories that were very personal that were intended for mm -hmm. specific recipients. And, um, you know, I shared those, but I didn't really share, share my writing beyond that. And also a lot of my writing was just never finished. You know, I, I try to start mm -hmm. a novel and I'd get like two chapters in and then drop it, you know? And so yeah, I, yeah. I never really had a whole lot to share before a couple of years ago, you know, but I am sharing now. Do you, do you, mm -hmm. do you and this might be a bit of a leading question, yeah. but if you hadn't have shared your singing, do you think you would have shared your writing? That's a good question. Like if I'd never come out of my shell that way, um, mm. I don't know. It's not really something I've thought about. I, I don't tend to look at my past much and dwell on the past. You know, I'm kind of a in the present kind of person. Okay. Um, okay. That's, that's a good question. I'd have to think about that one. Okay. I, 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 I guess, I guess my thinking is that, um, you know, music can, actually, I think it was Ros Morris. Yes, it was Ros Morris in the last, the last episode <clears throat> she was talking about making one, her main character a rock star and she was saying about music can freeze you in time music can can pin you into the emotion or the emotion of of when you were listening to that music and i think it's really interesting when a songwriter because it's not just about words anymore it's about words and a melody uh -huh. and you could potentially have a melody that has nothing to do with the words and, and, you know, create, create something that's very different and arguably something that doesn't have as much meaning. Um, so, I mean, I think sharing a song or music with other people is, is arguably more intimate than sharing your writing. Mm. Do you, do you agree? Potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like when I, like I said, I, I sang that song that I wrote. Um, I really did it kind of on a whim. I wasn't like, I think I could have easily psyched okay. myself out of it if I thought about it too much, Yes. but yeah. I had just written it recently and I, like, it was always stuck in my head, you know, and like, yeah. I just had this urge and that wasn't the very first time I ever sang in public, but it was one of the first times. The very first time I sang a song in public, I sang on my own from Les Miserables. And wow, that's a big song. Yeah, it is. And I'll never forget because afterwards, this girl came up to me. She was a couple years older than me. And this was for a church youth group event. And she was somebody who I really admired as a singer. And, okay. um, 
I thought she had a beautiful voice, you know, she wasn't shy, you know, and she came up to me and just gave me like the best compliment ever. You know, it's like there was so much emotion in your singing. I loved it, you know, and like it just it carried me probably for years, you know, and that, you know, and like I said, you know, my whole hope is that I can touch people, whether it's with my singing or my writing or my music, you know, and you know, that really got me started on the right foot. So maybe, maybe the answer to your question is, um, you know, did, did me getting up and singing for the first time, did that, did that help me to then later put myself out there as a writer? And maybe it did, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint specific, specific things. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I just, I think, I find writers fascinating, right? Writers of, of, of from all different disciplines because it's one thing to start writing, even if nobody else ever sees mm-hmm. it. Okay, so your first NaNoWriMo novel, I have loads of stuff that people will never yeah, see. never, never, never. <laughs> um, right, so it's that, it's that making that commitment to sit down and write because it takes a long time. It might take someone five or six hours to read your novel, it took way more than that, as you will appreciate, <clears throat> to write one. So I think there is there is that commitment to doing the work, okay, which I tip my hat off to all writers, and I think that's why I will never review anything under three stars, because as far as I'm concerned, if you wrote something, you put it out there, you deserve three out of five before we go any further. But then there's that moment when you you tip over into giving it to somebody you trust or giving it to an editor um, and sort of having that potential for somebody telling you that telling you that your baby is ugly mm-hmm. and, and so how do you deal so how do you deal with negative feedback um I appreciate constructive criticism I appreciate yeah honest reactions from people. I don't want people to sugarcoat how they feel about what I've written. You know, I, I want, I want sensitivity readers. I want, I want people to, to be honest with me about um, what my work does, because before I put something out there, I want to know that I'm doing it right. You know, uh, I want to know that that my intention is coming forward. You know, um, yes. So, you know, I I want criticism. If people are like, you know, that this part offended me, or I can't believe you wrote this, and I'm I think I'm pretty good. I've developed a I don't want to say a tough skin, but I've developed a mm-hmm. pliable skin. Let's say. <laughs> Where, you know, I can take that criticism and first of all, I have to look at who's giving it because they might be giving it from a place of, uh, from a place that's very personal to them. You know, maybe they're, they're triggered by something I've written. I had no way of Mm -hmm. knowing that something in their past would resurface from reading what I've written, right. you know, and I want to honor, honor that. I don't ever want to tell somebody, well, you're wrong to feel this way or, you know, that sort of thing. Everybody yeah. has their own experiences, but then I, so I, I look at who's mm-hmm. giving the input, who's giving the criticism. And then I can look at it and say like, okay, is this, first of all, every reaction is valid, right? But then I think, well, yes, is absolutely. maybe this is the kind of reaction that is necessary in this part of my story. But then I thought that, well, okay, they're having this reaction, but how can I make it all right by the end of the of the story? You yeah. know, or maybe it is something that I just need to scrap, you know, or wh- whatever it is. Um, but I do appreciate honesty from people, especially when yeah. it comes to their personal reactions to what I've written. Yes. And I, I mean, obviously, when I was doing my master's, I read some very dry books about narrative theory, but, but 
I think what, what I've learned in, in my book coaching is that, you know, we, you know, you and I as writers, we bring our own, the, the burden of our own knowledge. Okay. And I think that's something that you said about context mm-hmm. is, you know, we might think that the reader is going to get the context that we're talking about. So I always say to my, to my writers, when you start a chapter, particularly if you're bouncing through time or bouncing on a character, just make sure you give the reader as much as give them the context early so they don't start making things up. But something you said about, um, about um, when you write, you want to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think that's what a reader wants to do as well. Mm-hmm. And there's this really interesting sort of, I don't want to say tension, but there's this very interesting dynamic between you wanting them to to feel that those shoes are like the ones that you thought you were in, you know? So like, you know, you've written, you've written clogs and they're wearing stilettos. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's that, there's that kind of weird, weird things that, that happens. And somebody, and I wish I could remember who it was, said to me once, when you send your novel out into the world, it, it's no longer yours. Okay. But if somebody comes back at you really hard sometimes they just might not be ready to receive your novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever read a book and then you've gone that you didn't enjoy, then gone back and read it again and enjoyed it? I don't reread a lot of stuff because there's okay. so many books and so little time. <laughs> so I don't know that I can really <laughs> answer that question. Okay. Um, How about movies? Movies... I don't know. The couple of times I've rewatched a movie because I was like, well, usually it's because I didn't really enjoy it that much the first time. And I think maybe on a second watch, I'll appreciate it a little bit more. Um, Most of the time I've had the opposite experience, to be honest. (laughs) I'm like, nope, I remember why I didn't like this. (laughs) You know, you can never please every every reader, you know. and But I do... I do just in life in general, I've always believed it. It's important to do the best I can to meet people where they're at, to, to honor their experiences, to honor how they're feeling and to not, not dismiss that. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, you know, this thing that you wrote really offended me, I'm not going to dismiss that. You know, I have to respect that. Even if I don't personally, even if I personally feel like, well, why would they be offended by that? You know, that, that's Mm. not my, that's not my place. You know, Mm. I have to honor, even, even if I, even if my response is, well, you know, I'm sorry you felt that way. Um, I have to keep it the way it is. You know, I I still, I don't want to just dismiss people out of hand. 